What's up, my Boxless brothers and sisters? Today, I'm very excited for this episode. I received some really interesting and encouraging coaching recently on just what I should be focusing on as a podcaster. And I think it really revealed that what's deep in my heart is a passion for authentic brotherhood. So I'm going to probably start gearing toward talking more in line with that. And hopefully you'll go on me with that uh, with that journey. I was in college ministry and high school ministry for so long. College ministry, I think, almost meant more to me because of the brokenness of men at that age and just the shoulder-to-shoulder dynamic that was going on at that stage of life. And I miss it so much. And sometimes I still have the privilege of having relationships like that, but it's few and far between now with a family. And hopefully, hopefully that's, that won't be the case forever. And I, you know, have a couple close friends. Some of them are the same friends that I had in college and we we still text and stuff. And Jerry Seinfeld does a bit on this in one of his episodes where he says, basically, the guys that you met in your 20s are like, that's your group and maybe your early 30s. But after that, you're not taking any more applications <laughs> and we're just not hiring. I get that. I, I can really relate to that because even as as a feeler type of man, and there's not a ton of us, I've still gone a little bit hermity and you know, you get a little set in your ways and you you maybe aren't quite as sensitive as you used to be and you're not seeking as much as you used to be and you're also not trusting as much as, as you used to be because you've been burned a handful of times, especially for someone who's more on the sensitive side. You put yourself out there enough times and get burned that you just get tired of doing it. So there's some good in that and there's some bad in that. You know, there's a thickening of skin, I think, that's good with that but some of it is is not good because it's just so so difficult and one of the reasons it's so difficult is because there are so many men that are not really living the way that men of God should be living so I want to get into that and there are a couple specifics that I want to talk about I I'm going to be tempted to kind of run the gauntlet but I'm going to try to avoid doing that because I think we could really spread this out over a lot of episodes on just different topics. It, it's so nuanced, just the brotherhood and the, the different types of that, the different struggles with that, and even the different like theologies of, of what this should look like. So I've got some notes and I've got some, some awesome scripture, and I hope that you will maybe learn something and be encouraged and empowered to step out in boldness and you know ask a guy a coffee or something. The first thing that I want to cover is drinking. And that's really the main thing that I want to get into this episode because I am so tired of feeling like every time I get together with guys that there has to be beer. And I know that it's liquid courage and for a lot of, of us it's it's hard and I've said even for myself over time, it's become hard to share as much and trust, and alcohol helps us do that, but it shouldn't. And I know that's not the reason that everybody drinks. You know, some guys just like to drink. So this isn't meant to just kind of rebuke guys that drink for drinking, because I don't think drinking is wrong in and of itself. 
Uh, and so I'll, I'll cover a couple things like that. But first, practically, why is it that every time we get together, there's beer? And maybe that's not true for you, but can you, hopefully you can, can you name, identify other occurrences, environments that is not a Bible study or a small group that doesn't involve beer? Because if not, I think that's a problem. And I think that's the standard. So don't be discouraged. I think that's the standard and that's the issue. We don't always have to go to a bar. And you know what? Believe it or not, there are a lot of guys that struggle with drinking, myself included. I drink sometimes, but it's it's very rare because I have an addictive personality because of my past. And for a period, I thought that it was fine to drink because my issue was more with drugs. But come to find out that I could even get out of control with drinking. So that's something that I have to really keep on my toes about. And so right now I'm in a period where I'm just not drinking at all. And I'm experiencing a lot of victory with that. So there are a lot of guys that just straight up consider themselves alcoholics. Uh, Speaking to that, if you go to AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's a very powerful organization. But if you don't feel like identifying as an alcoholic, don't because your identity is in Christ. And I've said before, I don't love the way that Celebrate Recovery does a lot of things. One of the things that I do like is that they identify as uh, my name is so-and-so in recovery from yada, yada. And that I think is a better way to look at it, that we're just constantly in recovery. And as believers, admitted sinners in need of, of a savior, we're all constantly in recovery. It is different for a physical addiction, but I still think that it's healthier as a believer, as for your worldview to see yourself as a, a recovering addict of whatever that thing is, because your identity is in Christ. It's not. It's no longer in alcohol. But I bring that up because a lot of the time we just don't care about the causing others to stumble thing. And we will usually not even ask, but even if we do, it'll be like, hey, is it cool with you if I drink? And they'll be like, oh, sure. And, you know, we're not really sure if they are, and we're not really looking out for them. So just keep that in mind. If you're having hangouts always in a bar, always around beer, and you know that one of the guys in your group is sober, and you're always inviting them, and they're always not drinking, and they're always okay with it, you're still not being very loving to that person. Now, maybe they are fine with you guys drinking around them once in a while, and I think that's fine. I I think a lot of us can be fine with people drinking around us. But if that's what you're doing every time, I mean, that's a problem, right? That group is is supposed to be a brotherhood. And maybe you're just hanging out and talking about football. Hopefully you're talking about some deeper things than that. And we'll get into that too. But if you're excluding the safest environment for one of those people all of the time, I mean, that's not, that's not all right, right? You should be loving and inclusive and safe for all the guys in that group. And if once in a while you get together and you drink and they really are cool with that, fine. But if that's every week, I don't think that's all right. And the bigger issue is that it's is that it's always drinking. It just seems like there always has to be drinking. When couples hang out, when there's parties for your kids, and sometimes that's the only time that you do see each other, right? You all get together for some pool party and there's all these grown-ups and the kids are in the pool and you're all hanging out and you're all drinking. Why are we always drinking? Why do we always have to be drinking? And I think one of the reasons is, well, it's cultural. I think we enjoy it. So, you know, I don't want to speculate too much on that, except that we're just too dependent on it. 
And we're also too dependent on football. We're just too dependent on things that don't matter. And as guys, we just need to be better at that. So it's important that you know, the Bible says, and so here's your first verse, Romans 14, 20, and 21 says, don't cause others to stumble. It's very biblical. Wine is mentioned. So drinking is one of those things. It's drinking and food are really the things that are mentioned. And so for food, it might be someone's on a diet. I think it's more about the Jewish tradition at the time was like, okay, I'm a Jew and I'm following Jesus, but I still feel really uncomfortable eating pork, even though I know I'm free to do it. The non-Jew is going, well, I'm going to eat pork because I know it's okay. Paul was saying like, don't do that. That's not loving. Just don't eat pork. This guy's, he's learning and he's loving what it means to follow Jesus and kind of come out of the law a little bit. You know, he's learning that the practices are not what really gets him to Christ and not what really gets him in relationship with God and, and right standing. But it's a process, okay? It's muscle memory. We need to be aware of that and sensitive to that, and even as men, sensitive to those things and caring. A buddy of mine once said, the Bible talks about corporate conviction and personal conviction. So this is another thing where we're, we're looking at Scripture and we're going, well, is it in the Bible? Okay, so it is in the Bible to not cause others to stumble. Is it in the Bible that you should be sober? Well, does it need to be? If we have a personal relationship with God, then maybe he'll tell us not to do something, right? He calls us out of our own personal Egypt. So it's a metaphor for the Egyptian people wandering through the desert, coming out of slavery. This is what God does for each of us. Our own prison, our own slavery under some sort of law or, or worldview that isn't that of following Christ. And as we do that, as we come out of whatever that thinking is, could be a legalistic one or it could just be a wrong thinking. As we're coming out of that, we come out of it with certain tendencies, perhaps. For some, it might be alcohol, drugs, could be something else. But God may say to you personally, I don't want you to do this thing, X, Y, Z. Not necessarily drinking, but just to throw that out there, it's, it's relevant here because of the drinking thing, that God tells some people you shouldn't be drinking. Some other people, you shouldn't be eating pork. I don't know. Don't minimize what people's personal walks are, right? That, that, that's a very real thing. A corporate conviction is just a, a biblical rule for, for all of us. Personal, it's different, okay? We all walk in a personal relationship with Jesus, and that's what it means to be part of the body of Christ, encouraging one another to do that. So that will look different for all of us because it's personal. So let's talk about the idea of gathering. So Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Do not forsake the assembling of the saints as is the habit of some, and encouraging each other all the more as we see the day drawing near. Judgment day, the end of the world, the end of this earth, or maybe just the end of your time, right? Encouragement. Encouragement. So we're gathering for encouragement. Now that's general, but just to put that out there, start with the umbrella, then whittle. So A, we're gathering. If you're not gathering, we need to be gathering. And B, we need to be encouraging. And that looks different depending on what is going on with that person, that group, etc. The The time, like right now, encouragement is just your kids are in a school where you don't even know what they're teaching about biology. I mean, man, that is the source of my biggest, like my biggest struggle. My kids right now, they're in a private school. They just started. They're really struggling. We're already thinking about pulling them. You know, I'm saying no, not yet. 
But it's scary. So here I am thinking about all these things again, you know, and I need encouragement. I need people to encourage me and say, you're doing the right thing. You're trying to be a good father. You're trying to put your foot down when your kids are sad and having a hard time and not making friends. That's hard. I need other dads to come alongside me and be like, keep it up. You're doing a good job. That's the fight, right? You're doing what's right despite something that's hard. You know, I could I could take the sadness away, but is that what's best for them? So I'm taken to the Lord, and we're waiting, we're praying, and, you know, we'll see what happens. It's not wrong to go to public school, but it's dangerous. It's risky. Right now, I'm thankful that that's not happening. That's where I feel God calling our family right now. The Great Commandment, I want to talk about this because I mentioned this before. I met with a pastor who's my age, a few years younger, and I just wanted to be his friend. Didn't mean that I didn't want encouragement in the form of sometimes challenging. But he asked me, what do you, what do you want to get out of this relationship? And I said, I just want a friendship. And it, at the time, that was really like what I needed, right? So sometimes we need to know, what do you need right now? Like, are you getting teaching? Are you getting challenging? Are you not getting brotherhood? Because that, I mean, you have to have that. I told a buddy of mine once who just, he rebuked me harsh. He's told me I was a, a spiritual freshman and and I was leaving a wake of relationships behind me. And I don't know, some sort of like a cannonball kind of metaphor, but it, it really hurt me. It was truthful in a sense. I'm not sure I was a spiritual freshman, but I was young and I didn't have a lot of grounding. I needed some healing. I was very needy. I had control issues, but I was... 24. And I told him, listen, I had recently had a fight with my brother. We hadn't been in a good relationship for a long time. And he started like just critiquing me. You know, he's like, why do you always have to like the fancy cars and the fancy shoes? Why can't you just be like everybody else? You know, and I was like, who are you to chat? Like, it's been years since we've really had a good, a good relationship. And here you are just crapping on, you know, my personality and my interests and stuff like that and my characteristics. So I told this friend, the same thing that I told my brother, like, we need to focus on being brothers first before you start coming at me with that. And it really changed our relationship, our dynamic, and we got so much closer. And then I was able to hear criticism from the brother in Christ, maybe not so much from my brother. He's not a believer, so we're, it's, uh, it's a different you know, relationship. From my brother in Christ, my friend, we, it was like we weren't that close of friends yet. We just started, and then he's like, hit me with these bombs. Man, it was just so hurtful. So be brothers first. So I'm meeting with this, this pastor friend. He tells me, well, I think our main goal, our main job as believers is to sanctify one another, which was somewhat foreign to me. Not the word sanctification. Justification is your salvation. God does this. He resurrects your soul. He gives you new life. He makes you a child of God. Completely God's job. Well, I did some research on this just because I wanted to make sure that what I was believing about it was correct. And sanctification is also God's job. There is a, a point where uh, it says to sanctify yourselves. So John 17, 17, Jesus is, is praying for God to sanctify us in truth. So he's asking the Father to sanctify us, giving it to God as God's job. Isaiah 66, 17 says, sanctify yourselves. So there's a sense where if you could sanctify yourself, then perhaps we could sanctify one another. Another verse I like in, in Ephesians 5 that can be sometimes misconstrued 
is where it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, sanctifying her with the washing of the word. Now, I don't think that this is saying that we should disciple our wives. So those of you out there that believe that, I'm sorry, I don't agree with you. I think that we should lead. So I do believe that the husband is supposed to be the head of the house in a a spiritual leader sense. But your wife has a voice and she's intelligent and you should listen to her. Sometimes she has wisdom that you don't have, period. And a lot of the time, they spend more time with Jesus than we do. Y'all know it's true. And that shouldn't be true, right? We should always be spending time with God. But if your if your wife happens to be spending more time with Jesus and she comes to you with something that, that she felt God spoke to her, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't listen to that, that God can't speak to you through your wife. Come on, somebody. Now, what I, I find interesting about this, though, is the mentality of the sanctifying with the washing of the word. So we're, we're learning here that sanctification is done. So it's sort of like a purification, which is really only done through Christ. But that is more of a justification. That's where you are redeemed, you are made new, you're made whole, you're seen as flawless, as a spotless lamb like Jesus because his blood cleanses you. He puts his righteousness on you. You put your unrighteousness on him. That's what happened on the cross. Sanctification is the process of becoming, actually becoming more like Christ. And we do that by washing ourselves in the word, which it claims itself is the living water springing up to eternal life, right? A well of eternal life. It's a beautiful picture. So we need to get in the word and we need to share the word with one another. And so in a sense, we sanctify one another in brotherhood, absolutely. But I don't believe that that is our number one goal. Our number one goal, look at the great commandment. Love God, love your neighbor. One and two. Jesus says, Everything is wrapped up in these two commandments. Everything. So love God first. That's number one. And love each other. Now, to love each other, we need to be willing to speak truth to each other. But sometimes that means, hey man, are you doing all right? Do you need to talk? I'm here to listen. Do you need a hug? Does that make you guys uncomfortable? All right, moving on. Jeremiah 51.11 says, Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's an overtime thing. You rub up against each other sometimes. I mean, it can be uncomfortable. But it's not every time that you're together. It's an overtime thing. Iron sharpens iron. You know, you picture yourself in the kitchen with your knife sharpener, you know. Shing, shing. Iron sharpens iron. And we do that in relationship. So we don't just speak truth and speak scripture. You know, we help each other. We encourage one another. We gather when it's being forsaken by others. We continue to gather, encouraging each other. That's the overarching umbrella goal, to encourage. Sometimes that's speaking truth in the word. Sometimes that's speaking love. Sometimes that's just being together, going golfing, watching football. I have an issue when we're only doing that. And when we're only drinking beer and watching football, that's a problem. But if we're never doing that, then you're not friends. Hello? You know what I mean? My wife and I sometimes say, when we meet new couples, we go, but but are they a little inappropriate? (laughs) Because, look, we just need the freedom to be us. And sometimes that means seeing our ugly places, telling a joke that maybe isn't safe in every audience. We need to be able to be ourselves with somebody, not just our wives, 
So let me jump down to David and Jonathan. I love this. Gay rights advocates will say David and Jonathan were gay. Well, David and Jonathan were married to women. David was married to two women. Shouldn't have been, but he was. And you go, well, that's, that's a closeted gay man because it wasn't acceptable. Well, then why the heck did he lust after Bathsheba? Because he like a ladies, okay? He like a ladies. So what was going on? David and Jonathan, it says that their souls were tied together. At one point, uh, uh, Jonathan says in 1 Samuel 18, Jonathan loved David as himself. David tells Jonathan that his love for Jonathan surpassed that of loving a woman. That's the one I struggle with a little bit, but I, I get it, right? I mean, have you ever had that brother that you're like, this, this guy feels more like a brother to me than my real brother. I mean, I can tell him anything. And we should be able to tell our wives most things. Maybe not everything. I don't tell my wife every time that I have a lustful thought after another woman. I tell a couple buddies, I was struggling today, saw this girl running, she was really attractive, I didn't look away, just wanted to confess it to you. I don't need to tell my wife every time that happens. I don't need to tell my buddy either. There's grace, but you get the idea. So there's a certain a certain honesty and intimacy. One of my best friends hates this word. <laughs> Makes it really uncomfortable. That and touching his neck. So when I give him a hug, especially when I have like a little five o'clock shout, just get up in there, <laughs> rubbing his neck. The ridiculousness of men, right? Like there's an intimacy. You can't really explain it, you know? And it's a love. And sometimes it does feel like your souls are knit together. It does feel that way. I mean, if you've never had that kind of brotherhood with somebody, you're missing out. You really are. And I pray that we can all find it. I turned 43 on Monday. And I, I wonder if I'll ever find that with, with a, a, a new friend. But it's so precious. It really is. So I just want to drive home the point that we are not really loving each other the way that God desires us to. Men are not opening their hearts. They're not asking how they feel. They're not sharing really personal things. They're not doing more than getting together and watching football. They're not getting together without drinking beer. They're not in small groups without their wives. Like, give me a break. If you're in a small group with your wife, with other couples, awesome. If you don't break up at least once a month and go have some man time, I feel bad for you. I do. You're missing out. And those other guys who have never experienced it, maybe, they're missing out, right? And sometimes you could watch football and be shoulder to shoulder and talk about deep things at the same time. Am I right? And sometimes you can do it over beer, too. But I, I do want to make the point that you don't always need to drink beer. You don't need to do it. Go have a normal hangout. Hang out with people that you know don't like drinking beer or have trouble with drinking beer, just hang out. Go to a baseball game or something. Talk about your kids. Talk about what's hard. This is the brotherhood. This is David and Jonathan. Jonathan is King Saul's son. And Saul knows that David has a call on his life, that God loves David. And Saul feels threatened. And he wants David dead. So he tells Jonathan, David's best friend, to go kill him. And instead, he warns him. 
and he hides in the tall grass and they like fire this arrow up as like a sign like uh i'm here it's safe you know and they kiss each other i'm not telling you guys to go out and kiss each other <laughs> okay but the the gay activists who say like you can be gay and christian and use this as an example well after they kissed they cried they didn't kiss and make out they hugged and they kissed and they held each other and they cried because it was hard have you ever hugged and cried with a buddy it's powerful it's healing all right you guys i could talk about this until i'm blue in the face but i think i've said what i needed to say so i hope this is encouraging i hope that it inspires you to go out and just have some real man time with somebody that is about all I got. Thank you for listening. This is the Box of Nutshell. I am James Arthur. Please like, share, and follow, and give us a five-star review if you like what you hear. And we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.